1: This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast.
0: Big Dog's got to eat. I think Big Dog might need some hot water and lemon for that voice. I believe that was the voice of Chris Carlin, who is the usual host of Canty and Carlin right here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. No, Carlin today, hopefully he's tending to those vocal cords, whatever's going on there. Courtney Cronin and Gabe Neitzel with you on this Tuesday afternoon. As always, presented by Progressive Insurance. You can hit us up on the phones at any point throughout the next couple hours. Triple eight, say ESPN, 888. Seven two nine three seven seven six. Plenty of college basketball action coming your way here on Canty and Carlin. There is a new member among college basketball's elite class of blue blood programs. Plus, we've got a new mock draft with quarterbacks going back to back to back. We'll bring you the latest from Todd McShay and his mock draft 4.0. Plus, the Celtics and the Sixers tonight. Is this the last chance for the Sixers as presently built to win a title? But we start with the game that happened on Monday night. We saw college basketball game come to a close with one shining moment. Connecticut, 76-59, to 59, a domination of San Diego State to secure their fifth national title since 1999. And the conversation about Blue Blood programs, does UConn belong in that class? Are they not among the college basketball's elite? Anything that happened last night squashes that conversation. They are now tied for the fourth most national titles all time, and they are very much deserving of that conversation and being among the elites of college basketball
2: what's wild to me with Yukon is when you start talking about the other blue bloods like it's it's usually tied to a specific coach being there and that coach bringing so much success to the program. You think about what Kentucky I mean, certainly Kentucky had a lot of success kind of lulled and then, you know, John Calipari comes in there and and gets them to where they need to be and Duke even struggled in their first year without Coach K this year, got it going toward the end of the year, but usually there's, you know it's one coach that's kind of leading the forefront of a lot of these blue blood programs that have all the success and maybe you add a secondary coach in there because coach gets old and retires, what have you But with this UConn team, this is now their third different coach since 1999 that has led them to a title. It started with Calhoun, then Kevin Ollie in there, wins a national title before he gets let go because the NCAA is looking into their program. And Dan Hurley comes along and wins. And that's the wild thing to me is that they've had three different coaches be a part of this just wild run that they've been on since 1999.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not something that many programs have done where you have had, I don't know if I want to call it turnover because Jim Calhoun and what he built at UConn is something that stands the test of time in the men's game of course UConn women's basketball has been relevant far longer than UConn men's basketball has been but he does what he needs to do to get this program in the right spot he ends up moving on and then Kevin Ollie gets brought in we know the NCAA violations led to the mutual parting of ways there and then Dan Hurley When so many other schools had the chance to hire him and give him an opportunity, he waits his turn, he gets to UConn, and he is the third head coach to lead their team to a national championship, including Kentucky, Kansas, North Carolina, the only other schools, aside from UConn, that have at least three different coaches to lead their team to a national title, and they did it in dominating fashion this year. One of the greatest tournament runs ever by a team in the men's college basketball world. Only the fourth largest margin, 20 points per game. That's how they defeated every team, all six of them that they faced in, the college, uh, in college basketball this season. It's one of the tournament runs that we're going to be talking about for a while. And as Seth Greenberg says, ESPN college basketball analyst, this is one of the most dominant, if not the most dominant runs of a program this generation.
1: They just set five national championships since 1999. Five national championships. All this blue blood thing. In this generation, Connecticut has been the most dominant championship men's basketball program. They've done it with three different coaches. But this dude right here, he's going to be around for a while. And this will not be his last championship. Because he's not wired that way. He's wired to... Rebuild, reload, and he it's just the way he's built. If you've been at their practices, if you've been around this team, all right, everything they do is to their standard. This is just the beginning in my gut feeling.
0: Courtney Cronin, Gabe Neitzel with you on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. And last night I was hosting with Freddie Coleman, Gabe, and we had the conversation of what defines a Blue Blood program. This started the show. So this was, you know, right as the game was tipping off, and I gave Freddie the credence to change his opinion if UConn ended up winning that fifth title. Relevancy, recency, and brand recognition. So three R's there, and you can throw the, the B in there with brand recognition. When you bring up Yukon, some people think that the brand doesn't stick because it's not like Indiana. It's not like Duke, North Carolina, even UCLA. But, the way that I think about it, a lot of those programs, let's take my alma mater, for example, Indiana, they haven't won a national title since 1987. There's five banners that hang inside of Assembly Hall, but the recency and relevancy element is one is a box that they just don't check. I don't see how you can't put UConn into that conversation, as Seth Greenberg said. Since 1999, five national championships. During that same stretch, Kentucky has won. Kansas has two, UCLA, Indiana, none, and North Carolina and Duke have three each in that same time frame.
2: Yeah, I guess the only thing you could maybe knock against UConn but every program goes through a little bit of this and that's they after Kevin Ollie left kind of toward the end of the Kevin Ollie era and they're being investigated so they have some issues and they eventually you know rejoin the Big East but there was like a four, four year period there where they were missing the tournament but now they've been in the tournament the last three years so they're back to being that I, I heard you know This conversation that's happened throughout the course of um, the college basketball tournament, the NCAA tournament here, that somehow you would consider Gonzaga a blue blood. They haven't won a title. Like to, to me, championships are the most important thing. Yeah, UConn had a little bit of a lull there, but Hurley has them back to where they should be. This has been one of the best basketball programs, and maybe because the women's program has been just so dominant, and the women's program, with all of their success, somehow overshadows the men's. So when you think of UConn, typically I think you think of women's basketball, and that that the men's basketball program just kind of you know fades to the background on their own campus, but... I still think that, especially with what the women have done and Gino and everything that have been there, like UConn is without a doubt a basketball school and without a doubt a blue blood program, whether you're talking about the men or the women.
0: Yeah, they are. They have made their mark in the men's program, certainly in the women's program. Five national titles stand on its own. And when you take a look at where this program is right now, they finished with the top seed in the final AP men's college basketball coaches poll and going into the next season. ESPN right now already has the 2023-2024 way too early top 25 men's college basketball rankings. It's an article that our guy Jeff Borzello put together. UConn's right up there at number one. They're a team that is going to reload. They're a team that already has a lot of players that are expected to come back. So we'll see if their dominance is able to carry on beyond the 2022-23 season. Certainly feels like it because of how historic this run was and where they fit into the grander scheme of college basketball. My favorite stat, I will say it till I am blue in the face. Their Ken Palm ranking was three this season. They're seed was four. Somehow their Ken Palm ranking was higher than their seed. We will all remember them as a team that should not have been a four seed in the men's college basketball tournament, but that did not seem to get in their way at all. They go 6-0 and in March Madness into the national championship game where they capture a 76-59 win over San Diego State to secure their fifth national title. Courtney Cronin, Gabe Neitzel with you here on Canty and Carlin. Coming up, an interesting story surrounding the Patriots and the relationship between Bill Belichick and his quarterback, Mac Jones. We're going to get into that after Gabe tells you this about Indeed.
2: If April is showering your company with open positions, then check out Indeed. Their powerful hiring platform makes it simple to attract, interview, and hire candidates all in one place. Just sponsor a post and get matched instantly with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed meet your job description. Then invite them to apply and get connected. No more jumping from site to software to cell phone. You can easily schedule and conduct virtual interviews all on the Indeed dashboard. Get started at Indeed.com credit.
0: Happy Tuesday. You are listening to Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Sirius XM Channel 80, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. Courtney Cronin, Gabe Neitzel sitting in for the guys. And somebody who is not happy right now with his quarterback, reportedly, is Patriots head coach Bill Belichick. There is a report out from WEEI, and that was followed up today, about tensions that have been lingering between Belichick and Mac Jones The root of this, according to Tom Curran, who told WEEI, is that Bill Belichick's upset with Mac Jones that he sought outside advice some counsel during the 2022 season quote the yelling and the gesticulations during games that was irritating enough this is what Tom Curran told WEEI recently but going outside of the building for counsel apparently to his former Alabama coach Steve Sarkeesian was something that really irked Bill Belichick so now we're here There's reports today that Bill Belichick has shopped Mac Jones this offseason, which brings us back to the conversation of whether the Patriots would consider Lamar Jackson in all of this. But before we even get to that, I just have to look at this situation and say, Bill Belichick wants to be the judge, jury and executioner. You can't talk to him when you're going through it in the season because he's going to bench you for Bailey Zappi so you go out to try to talk to one of your former coaches and apparently the statue of limitations to be able to talk to anybody that worked at Alabama might have been your coach that Passes when you get to the NFL, according to this report, with Bill Belichick being kind of irked that Mac Jones, not so happy in year two in New England, went outside the Patriot Way to seek advice about how to get through this.
2: Well, the Patriot Way didn't really give him an offensive coordinator in 2022. Can you blame Mac Jones for looking around and going... Okay, I've got like two offensive coordinators who've never really done this before. I'm clearly I'm not sure which one's in charge. All right, let's just go to someone I trust to try to, you know, keep a foundation of, you know, at least fundamentals and and ask somebody that I trust, hey, what are some other things that I can do? And I, I don't blame him at all. You didn't, if you're Bill Belichick, you did not put Mac Jones in a position to succeed in 2022 with whatever you decided to do with your offensive coaching staff. And clearly Belichick has realized that was a mistake as Bill O'Brien has been brought in to be the new O.C. So the the trust between the head coach and the quarterback is just such an important thing in the NFL. Even if Bill doesn't trust Mac Jones at this point, does Mac Jones trust Bill Belichick and that he's going to put him in positions to succeed based on what's happened in his first two years in New England, which I understand sounds crazy because Belichick's one of the greatest coaches, if not the greatest coach of all time. But Mac Jones' experience with Belichick can't be that great.
0: You think about some of the things that came out of owners' meetings. Bill Belichick, when asked by ESPN's Mike Reese, why should Patriots fans be excited or have hope about this upcoming season coming off of what happened the last couple years? And Belichick kind of slyly says the last 25 years. And then he walks those comments back. Then there's the report that there's some friction going on between the head coach and And his quarterback and the quarterback seeking outside counsel probably because he doesn't feel too comfortable to talk to Bill Belichick after this experimentation he was part of where a defensive minded Matt Patricia ended up being the voice in his headset as his offensive coordinator didn't work so well. I wonder if this is a way that if this is Bill Belichick realizing, hey, I'm losing my grip on this team a little bit because to me it just seems like they're where there's smoke, there's fire with this. And the amount of the amount of issues that we know happened within the Patriots offense last year in Belichick standing in his own way trying to prove a point that ended up proving them everybody wrong in New England that to me is a little bothersome when you look at this and what it means going forward that Bill Belichick might not be in the good graces of some of the players in New England especially your quarterback and you know to your point Gabe you want to be on the same page with your quarterback you want your quarterback to be comfortable and telling him he can't go outside the building reportedly to talk to anybody else about football and how he should handle himself in the NFL is is one way to alienate somebody your most important player
2: Especially when you look around, everybody has their own personal coach. Like everybody goes in the off season, and maybe this was just Bill not wanting to deal with his quarterback going to somebody else. Because I mean, what was that Brady entourage like? You know, he's got his own. He's got some coaches. He's got you know Alex Guerrero, who you know the TB twelve method, and, and they had that whole thing. So maybe Belichick is just having PTSD with the. Brady entourage, and that's not how he wants to run on his football team. Everything has to stay in-house, and he's just being a little old school about it, and decided to oh, you know, like, yeah, I, I guess I, I can't trust this guy, just like I couldn't trust Tom Brady in the end. Maybe he's just flashing back to that, but it makes no sense to me, if you're Bill Belichick, to be that upset given again, that Matt Patricia was the guy calling plays for you last year, and you've admitted that that was a mistake. This seems like it should be something that should be fixable if Bill Belichick wants to fix it, which makes me wonder if he's going, okay, well, he went to this guy, I wanted to trade him anyway, and everything's just kind of drifting towards Mac Jones no longer being a Patriot, so Belichick's just going to lean into that.
0: Well, if they want to try to rectify this, you'd think the step of taking Bill O'Brien from Alabama, bringing him to run an offense that Mac Jones is comfortable with. Mac Jones went to Alabama, was a first round pick of the Patriots in 2021. So feels like he's maybe trying to placate to the strengths of his quarterbacks there, quarterback there. But now we hear their reports that Belichick has been shopping. Mac Jones, quietly throughout the offseason, some of the teams that have reportedly come up with the Raiders, the Texans, the Bucks, and the Commanders, you don't hear the name that we're all expecting in Baltimore on that list because, frankly... I don't know the New England Patriots have enough to give up to get Lamar Jackson and this would not be signing the offer sheet and giving the giving Baltimore two first round picks. The only way I'd see Lamar Jackson going to New England is if they ended up doing a straight up tag and trade. Now do the Patriots have enough to give back to the New England give back to the Baltimore Ravens? they've got a you know a draft pick in the, in the mid teens they've got a quarterback but you'd have to probably package a second round pick in there as well and maybe even more than that to get Lamar Jackson there i just got to ask myself, though, does this mean that this is completely off the table? Because if there's rumors of Bill Belichick shopping Lamar Jackson, it's shopping for, shopping Mac Jones, potentially mm-hmm. putting them in the conversation for Lamar Jackson, you got to think that he's given it some thought more than just, well, how much is it going to cost? What can we possibly do to upgrade at the quarterback position? And then he ends up not having to deal with a player that he was not so happy with, reportedly, during the season for going outside of the building to seek counsel Away from the Belichickian way.
2: Yeah, it makes you just wonder out loud. All right, let's think about this out loud. Did what seems more likely that Bill Belichick would want to go after the known quantity that is the former league MVP in Lamar Jackson, who has shown who has reportedly you know said that he's interested in joining the New England Patriots, or that Bill Belichick just has that much faith in Bailey Zappi that he's willing to trade away Mac Jones? Which one of those sounds more likely to you, Courtney?
0: I mean. I think you you ha- think you were on to something when you said that bill belichick is probably dealing with some ptsd from the brady era mm-hmm. he finally gets control over the quarterback this is a young quarterback this isn't tom brady in his prime in his 30s winning championships it's a quarterback who hasn't won anything in the nfl belichick wants to assert his dominance on that quarterback make sure that he knows that it's his way, not anybody else's way. I think that that rubbed Mac Jones the wrong way. I think that he is trying to push him out here, according to what we have heard reported. And I wouldn't be surprised if they can use him as trade leverage. And hes I mean, he's still an unknown product. He's going into his third year with his third offensive coordinator. So he's going to be having to learn a brand new system. We'll see how that works out for him, whether it's in New England or whether it's somewhere else. But... Stuff like this makes me think that those days for Mac Jones and Bill Belichick, that partnership might be numbered and might be coming to an end quite soon. Candy and Carlin brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Straight ahead, should the Jets consider drafting a quarterback Yes, I know, they're supposed to get Aaron Rodgers here any day now, but we're still waiting. So we're going to get into that in all things with the NFL draft. Three quarterbacks off the board, one, two, and three in Todd McShay's latest mock. We're getting into that next right here on Candy and Carlin. Passion, drive,
1: and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to make your car, the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at eBayMotors.com. eligible items, only exclusions apply.
3: Now let's talk about the play of the week, the pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup blue and ready for the play and boom on Ye-Hop tequila came in with a smooth assist to hypnotic's tropical fruit finish shaken strained poured it was green and good the playmaking splash shifted the tempo another great cocktail from the hypnotic team every season is hypnotic and tequila season hypnotic liqueur bardstown kentucky 17 percent alcohol by volume hypnotic reminds you to think wisely drink wisely this is the kantian carlin podcast Will Levis has kind of been blessed with an opportunity to throw the football better than most people are able to throw the football. And that's including guys that are coming out aspiring to play in the NFL.
4: A lot of the times when I'm missing throws or see myself being inefficient on tape, it has a lot to do with the movement that precedes the throw. Just trying to address those things.
2: There was some brilliance and there was some slop. It kind of mirrors his game tape from 2022.
0: Pro day season in full swing that means we are 23 days away from the start of the 2023 NFL Draft. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Gabe Neitzel sitting in for the guys. Pleased to welcome in Mel Kuyper Jr., ESPN Senior Draft Analyst and the co-host of Darian Mel, Saturdays, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, right here on ESPN Radio. Mel's going to be on ESPN Radio starting Thursday, April 27th. Canty and Carlin are going to be hosting from Kansas City all of our NFL draft coverage in one place. Mel, let's go back to your latest mock. So I I know three quarterbacks off the board, boom, boom, boom. C.J. Stroud to Carolina, Bryce Young to Houston, and the Colts trading up to get Will Levis, which that's the newsworthy nugget here. But I want to get... I'll, we'll go to that in a minute. I want to start with C.J. Stroud, because I know the last couple of weeks we've heard the jockeying of positioning between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. Why, in the end, do you have Stroud going to Carolina over Bryce Young?
4: Courtney, you know better than anybody, uh, as well as anybody that's hard to tell right now, and nobody's telling you any of their secrets. You just go by kind of the feeling from the pro day, when it looked like that was big one, happy family, and everybody was really together. You had ownership, you had GM, you had all the coaches, the head coach, and you had C.J. Stroud at the Pro Day and at the Combine looking really good, they on the heels of a great performance against Georgia, and, and he fits the physical profile what Frank Reich wants in a quarterback, So, or has wanted. Uh, then you had Chris Mortensen come out today and say, he thinks it's going to be Bryce Young. So, nobody knows, Courtney, I think that's what's exciting about this. Nobody knows where Will Levis is going to go. Todd McShay thinks he's dropping. He actually has Tampa Bay trading up to get Will, as, as Buffalo did when they traded up to get Josh Allen, as the Bears did when they traded up to get Justin Fields. That's quarterback teams have moved up to get. Uh, so a lot of mystery, I think, in this draft, which is what we all want.
2: With number 2, is it pretty much with Houston, they're just going to take either C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, the one that's left over, or is it possible they get scared about the size of Bryce Young and look for a quarterback elsewhere?
4: Yeah, that's a great quote. We've talked about that a lot on our Saturdays. Uh, you know, in terms of what these teams are going to do and how they feel about Bryce Young's size. And for people to say it doesn't matter or it's not or he's been durable, well, he had two years at Alabama in the SEC, and he did not have a shoulder injury, and he did miss a game. and uh, He did gut it out the rest of the year. Um, he didn't have a great supporting cast at Alabama. But at 5'10 and change, about – what do you want to say? One ninety once he's in the NFL and playing a full season, can he hold up? It's got to be a worry. Now, is he a, a, a Chad? Does he have a chance if he's healthy to be a great quarterback in this league? Yes. Does he have a great arm? No. Does he have four or five speed? No. Um, but he's a, we say processor, and that and that's exactly what he is. He's the great point guard. He's the great distributor of the ball, and he just has he sees things that nobody else does. He really has that vision of the field, almost like eyes in the back of his head that are amazing. Some of the things in way he reacts so quickly so there's a lot that's why he's my number one quarterback slightly over will levis with cj stroud third anthony richardson fourth and then hendon hooker fifth but i don't think anybody right now knows what any of those teams in that top five are doing in terms of the quarterbacks
0: espn senior nfl draft analyst mel kiper jr joining us here on canty and carlin will levis you have going third the colts trading up from where they are at four swapping spots there uh with, with arizona to be able to get that quarterback to shore up their quarterback room why levis over anthony richardson because we know we've heard the comparisons the project label and i know you've been really high on will levis throughout this draft process why him over richardson mel
4: Really, Courtney, it's best me. I always end up being the defender because I always have believed that if you go to a team that fits what you do and you are coached properly, the great Vinny Serrato, good friend of mine, former GM in the NFL, who built that team at Notre Dame for Lou Holtz as their personnel guy and, and uh, did a great job with the 49ers all those years, always said, coaches, you have coach in front of your name for a reason. They, they're not going to come into the NFL knowing everything. you got to coach them properly. And all great coaches, as you know, Courtney and Gabe aren't great. So, again, go to the right team. Get coached properly have the right people the right infrastructure around you and you will have a chance for the most part to be good and i think certainly for me uh you know will levis is that kind of guy so i've kind of been defending him against the hey people talk about 2022 2022 i say throw that tape out now others say you can't do that i don't know why he was beat up so i don't know why you would factor in 2022 but some want to if you did and you factored in heavily you're not going to like will levis well, Anthony Richardson, if you saw the Utah game, you're going to put him number one overall. If you saw the Kentucky game and the Florida State game and the South Carolina game, you probably put him in the fourth round. So, again, uh, that's why all these quarterbacks you can look at and, and have a wide range of opinions.
2: A popular theory that has been coming out now over the last 24 hours or so, Mel, are the Jets sitting there at 13. And would they be better off drafting a quarterback instead of waiting on whatever's holding up the process to get Aaron Rodgers to the Jets to try to get back to the postseason for the first time since 2010? But sitting at 13, what would be left for them to potentially take?
4: game. I don't think anybody. Uh, now, let's say Hendon Hooker. Now, you know, Mike Tannenbaum took Hendon Hooker at five in his mock that he did, which was his rankings and his draft. It wasn't a mock. I shouldn't say mock. It was his rankings draft. And he had Hendon Hooker going five to Seattle. So, yeah, you know, if, if people like Hooker that much, then maybe he will. I don't. So I couldn't see him at 13. Now, of the big four, I don't think any of them will be there. Now, Todd thinks that Levis could maybe be right around that area. So he, well, he actually, he had it going up from 19 to Tampa Bay to 14 which which is after the Jets. So he had Levis still on the board. Chris Mortensen today said he didn't think Levis is getting out of the top five. He's not going to slide. So again, uh, this time of year, your head's always spinning. You don't know who to believe, what to believe. That's the great part of the draft because, and I love it when it's that way. I hate when it's scripted and everybody knows what teams are doing. It seems like because of so many different opinions and so many, like the great outlier, which is what Bryce Young is this year. Uh, it makes it so Jalen Carter with the, uh, the off the field concern. Uh, so many missed, and so many different opinions on these players is, I think, going to make it probably one of the most watched drafts ever that we've had in the history of this thing.
0: Mel, you brought up Jalen Carter. Before he let you go, I wanted to ask about that. The Chicago Bears had him in for a top 30 yesterday. He's planning to visit mm-hmm. other teams currently in the top 10 of the draft order. But his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, telling ESPN that he doesn't plan to take top 30 visits with any team that is not drafting 1 through 10. Is that a wise move? And how do you think he ends up – over the next couple of weeks, as more information is learned by teams when they get these final moments with these prospects, do you think he will be taken in the top ten?
4: Well, I've known Drew a long time. And, Courtney, Yeah, I think he realizes teams five through ten or six teams, right? There's six teams there. Seattle, Detroit, Las Vegas, Atlanta, Chicago, and Philadelphia. All six of those teams you would think would really like to have Jalen Carter and need a Jalen Carter on their defensive line. So I think what, what – they're saying is, okay, if we get past 10, I don't know where we're going. I don't need to be dealing with some of these teams. They're not going to be looking at a defensive tackle. But if you get past there, then you're kind of in never-never land. I don't know where you would project Jalen Carden. He's just the best player coming off the board. We've got to take him. But one of those, and, and Chris has said he believes he's going in the top five, six, seven area. I had him going 6 to Detroit. Todd has him going 5 to Seattle. Uh, I don't think he's getting past there because, like I say, it just sets up this year, Courtney and Gabe, where teams 5 through 10, those six teams, all need and could use a Jalen Carter
0: 23 days away from the start of the NFL draft you can see Mel Kuyper all over ESPN April 27th through 29th breaking down rounds one through seven in a 2023 NFL draft you can also hear the NFL draft right here on ESPN radio starting Thursday night April 27th Canty and Carlin are going to be hosting from Kansas City Mel we appreciate it thanks so much for the time
4: Courtney Gabe great to be with you guys take care
0: all right, straight ahead, there was a lot of conversation around LSU star Angel Reese and her trash talking to Iowa's Caitlin Clark. You're going to hear who came to Reese's defense coming up next right here on Kenny and Carlin.
4: We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there.
1: Ian Carlin, the podcast.
0: First Lady of the United States, Dr. Jill Biden, has caused a little bit of a stir with some comments that she made on Monday afternoon at the Colorado State Capitol in Denver regarding the visit of the national champion LSU Tigers and also including the runner up in the Iowa Hawkeyes. Now, the White House is saying that they never mentioned Iowa joining as they prepare to welcome LSU for a visit. That's a statement that was released officially today. But this all centers around the comments that, you know, have been surfacing around the game of women's college basketball the last couple of days. Courtney Cronin, Gabe Neitzel with you here on Canty and Carla and Angel Reese at the center of controversy. Some people supporting her for her decision to flex on Caitlin Clark. And rightfully so, because she is a national champion and kind of dishing out what Caitlin Clark had dished out earlier in the tournament, while others have uh, not so kindly express their feelings towards how they view Angel Reese. And and Gabe, whatever line you stand on here, whether you think she was fine in doing what she did with the can't see me and pointing at her ring finger or if you thought it was taste, not tasteful, at any event, Caitlin Clark is the person that we want to hear from here because she's the one who was receiving the sort of, if you want to call it, antagonistic behavior. But at the end of it, I boil this down to Caitlin Clark is the player of the year, the Naismith player of the Mm -hmm. year. She doesn't need anybody to defend her
2: no especially somebody who is a trash talker herself like Caitlin Clark was talking trash she was doing the John Cena you can't see me throughout the tournament throughout the year and if somebody who is one of the more preeminent trash talkers in the game doesn't say anything back clearly she wasn't bothered by what happened in, you know when Angel Reese followed her around you know did the you can't see me pointed at the ring finger like if if she had an issue with it She would have fought back, you know, with her words, not an actual physical altercation the way we've had in some college basketball games over the last couple of seasons after they've concluded. But if she would have taken offense to it, I feel like she would have somehow found a way to say something going back, given how Caitlin Clark has trash-talked her way through the NCAA Women's Tournament.
0: Well, Caitlin Clark finally spoke about this today on Outside the Lines. Here's what she had to say about the criticism Angel Reese has received.
4: I don't think Angel should be criticized at all. Um, You know,
0: no matter which way it goes, um, you know, she should never be criticized for what she did. Um, You know, I'm just one that competes and she competed. So I think everybody knew there was going to be a little trash talk in the entire tournament. It's not just me and Angel. So, um, you know, I don't think she should be criticized. Like I said, Um, LSU deserves it. They played so well. And like I said, I'm a big fan of hers. Case closed, story stops, the buck stops with Caitlin Clark because if she's okay with what transpired in the waning moments of the national championship as LSU was walking off towards their first title in basketball history within the men's and women's programs, then if if she's okay with that, then. Everybody else watching this should be okay with it because no one was affected by this. Caitlin Clark tells us she's not affected by this and that Angel Reese doesn't deserve criticism because this boils down to two of the best players in the women's game going at it on the court and giving us incredible television and entertainment to watch if we didn't have this. The game would still be great on its own, but now we have these sort of blood feuds, these sort of things that are the ancillary storylines that are gonna make next season so exciting. I think they did basketball a service by by having this whole thing come out the way that it did Because two days later, after the national championship, we're still talking about this pseudo feud that was cooked up and and people on social media wanting to read into more of it than what it was. And you've got Caitlin Clark saying, hey, it really wasn't that big of a deal in the end.
2: Give me LSU versus Iowa in the regular season next year, and I will tune in. And I know I am not alone in that sentiment, because you can't guarantee that it would happen in the NCAA tournament, but give it to me during the regular season. Have these two teams come together, get the SIDs on the phone, make sure you put them on the schedule for next year, because, yes, it gives that just a little bit more. And that's what I love about Caitlin Clark's comments there. To to me, she clearly just gets it. I mean, she's got Mm -hmm. this giant target on her back. She just shot, shot her team all the way to the NCAA championship game with all the threes that she made, setting the scoring record for the tournament, the assist record for the tournament, being the national player of the year. She understands she's got a target on her back, and when you're a player who's that good, Yeah, you're going to get some some trash talk coming back your way. And she's cool with that because that's what, to, to her, competition is all about. And I love that she embraces it. And I love that she's saying that Angel Reese doesn't deserve to be criticized by anyone because this is the way that the game is exciting.
0: My biggest takeaway from all of this because it's been a pretty interesting form of discourse on social media in you know, on on talk radio talk shows on sports networks and and the subject of race, the subject of gender, all of those things coming into play here. We need to stop gatekeeping the way that women are allowed to celebrate in sports because we don't do it in the men's arena at all. Basketball, football, hockey, whatever sport it is. I mean, you have hockey, a sport that is predicated on fighting and that's okay. (laughs) But in the women's game, a player flexes, Caitlin Clark, She told her, you know, she's friends with Emily Van Lith, but she still told her to shut up. Your team's down by 15 in the Elite Eight. That was okay. The Can't See Me was okay. So Angel Reese then does it, and we have all this outrage of that's not how a competitor should act. That's not how someone under the guise of sportsmanship should act. There's different rules here for different sports, and it's unfair because the men's game is built on one-upsmanship. The women's game is built on sportsmanship and being the bigger person and being a good teammate where we don't seem to extend that same mindset to the men's game where it allows Allen Iverson to step over Ty Lue in the spirit of competition. It allows Steph Curry to shimmy and then Chris Paul to hit a three over Curry in the Western Conference Finals and shimmy on him. Nobody's saying a word about any Of it. We need to start giving women's sports the same credence that we do men's sports in the way that we celebrate. And frankly, we need to stop gatekeeping how you can celebrate and how you can trash talks, flex, whatever you want to call it, on your opponent because we don't do it in the men's game. Straight ahead. How is the health of college basketball? Not a lot of blue bloods in the men's tournament this year. Is that a good thing? We'll get into that next here on Candy and Carlin.
1: Thanks for listening to the Candy and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Candy and Carlin, the podcast.